Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 19 of the Armin Show podcast. You've been listening to this one for a bit. Thanks for listening, by the way, all of you out there. That's cool. Let me know if you do. Let me know what you like. Feedback is good. Tell people you know. I think I've had six guests so far and then a various discussion. So this one's about chapters five through eight of the book Behave by Robert Sapolsky, which was voted earlier today one of the top ten books of 2017 by Washington Post. I thought that was interesting. Chapter 5 talks a bit about learning, <coughs> what leads to learning and whatnot. Glutamate and glutamate receptors increasing in number. Learning involves a burst of NMDA receptor activation causing prolonged increase in excitability of a synapse. So it's basically like the synapse is more easily excited once you learn something. And then memory is related to this, but long-term memory is more involved. That's because the brain is trying to be efficient and not remember everything for no reason. Same thing with muscles. They don't just grow for no reason. They grow when there's purpose and you have to work out for a long time. Chapter 6 has some great stuff about the frontal cortex and what happens in adolescence. Those who, you know, are teenagers, you know, they have a little bit of a comical nature, if you will. And this comes from the fact that their frontal cortex isn't fully developed. It's not there completely. So they're making decisions a bit more impulsively, lacking a bit more executive control. What are some things mentioned in Chapter 6? You get improvements in working memory over time, improvements in inhibitory regulation, shifting between tasks. So those who are very young will have trouble shifting between tasks successfully. A few things I noticed that match what is popular on YouTube is when you're younger, faces are more of a big deal. You notice emotions in faces faces much more strongly as a youth than you do when you are an adult. There's a big difference in the reaction in the brain that you get. Also rewards. Adolescents experience bigger than expected rewards more positively than adults. And smaller rewards are aversive. So that's why rewards are so popular on YouTube and other internet social ventures because it pings it pings the younger people more rewards and like extreme faces of joy or some happy or you know shocking or jumping these things really impact the response on someone who's 12 years old or 15 versus someone who's 40 who just looks at it like what are they doing it doesn't have the same effect. That's why the fans might be of a certain age for some of the popular YouTubers or maybe for some singers that are popular. Same thing. Social exclusion is a pretty big deal in youth. The VLPFC activates after. So the VLPFC when you're an adolescent and you're left out by your peers, all your centers of pain, anger, and disgust light up. Your amygdala, your periaqueductal gray, and your anterior cingulate. Different parts 
Also, your insular cortex. I don't know all these parts superbly. I know the amygdala quite well. But they represent pain, anger, and disgust emotions. These ones go through the roof when you're left out of the group as an adolescent with less frontal cortex telling yourself, wait a minute, maybe it's not a big deal. But as you grow, you're like, wait a minute, it's not that big of a deal if I'm left out of a group. It's fine, I can move on and move forward. There's a lot about adolescence in that chapter, and it was quite cool because it explains exactly everything that happens in people. Now, you might be wondering, why is the frontal cortex last to develop? And that's because it's the one that, well, I don't know if this was a different chapter, but the frontal cortex might develop last evolutionarily because it needs to be the most distanced from genes. So as you grow, you're following the code of your genes, but over time you're following more of what experience causes in the body physiologically. So that could be why evolutionarily the frontal cortex was left last, especially the DLPFC, left last to evolve so that it's the most able to base itself off of experience in the world and not off of genes and hardwiring so that you would have adaptive control of your executive function. You would be better able to deal with the world in a managing way uh, than if you were just hardwired for some form. That would leave you more vulnerable. Evolution doesn't support vulnerability like that. Chapter 7, there is a few topics. This is about back to the crib, back to the womb. So it's about growing up, your parenting. A lot of things happen very early in life. Your mother is a big deal in your self-esteem. A lot of people that have chance to do crime or violence or are depressed, depression especially, come from kids who felt like their parents didn't really want them to exist, uh, especially shown in states where abortion was allowed and they looked at what the difference was 20 years later as far as crime. It was much lower because the people that would, the children that parents didn't want to have in the first place would not have been had through abortion. But the ones that were had when they were not wanted to be had, it was felt. And they ended up doing more crime, more violence, because the world didn't want them. Their own parents didn't really want them. And that shows in fights and anger and bad feelings. Uh, a few things were mentioned about boy and girl brains. Uh, estrogen and testosterone were mentioned. The ratio of the second digit and the fourth digit of your hand being re fairly representative of the amount of testosterone present. So a larger second finger to fourth finger ratio means more testosterone, more assertive personalities, aggression, things like this. And now to chapter 8, which is the latest chapter I'm on. I'm not even done with chapter 8, but I am on it uh, and have done quite a bit of it, at least two-thirds, I believe. Yeah. This chapter includes a bit about, oh, genes as they modify over time, epigenetics. So your genes have certain codes, but 
genes are affected by the environment and some of them don't turn on without certain settings in the world causing them to turn on. So it's not that the environment changed your genes, it's just that they are very adaptive to the environment and so you can adapt to the world better. Remember, adaptability is the most important thing evolutionarily. Yeah. Also, there are elements where, like, DNA transposons are elements of DNA that insert themselves into other stretches of DNA. Gives you some entropy there. Plants have used this. Uh, like, in drought, plants are more likely to do this to switch up their genome. Maybe give them a chance at living longer in a certain condition. There's there's good additional variability to genes. So it's not so hard-coded as DNA would look like is a good way to think about it. Also, we talked about in this chapter twins, the differences between twins. They, do, they have done many studies on twins and their experience because this is a good way to check how important are genes because twins have the same genes, especially if they're identical. So if you look at their life, you can see how much environment impacts them, uh, which has been done many a time. An important trait or a definition regarding genes is if a gene strongly affects the levels of a trait, it's strongly inherited. So that means it you know, causes you to get that trait. But if it influences the extent of variability around a trait, it has high heritability. So if a gene... I wonder if I have a detail about this one. Five fingers on a hand is highly inherited because it's very likely you're going to have five fingers on your hand uh, based on your parents and the variation is low so you have low heritability you're not going to have four fingers or six fingers the alternate of this would be someone the chance of somebody wearing earrings is weakly inherited because there's you know 50 percent chance this was saying like you know women wear earrings more than men but as high heritability uh, variation is definitely through the roof because male or female. That's two basic examples. Yeah. So that's those two gene environments interactions. There's many examples of how genes affect uh, what happens in certain environments, and then there's many examples of where environments cause genes to be turned on or whatnot. So you, c the main point is to not separate the two. They are very linked. All right. I will leave it at there as far as chapter 8. A wonderful chapter. And onward, we're looking at various topics. Uh, the rest of the book is actually less scientific from what I've looked at. It's still scientific, but not at the degree at which the first chapter was. So I hope you're still looking forward to non-scientific content. That would be great. It'll still be scientific, though. I'll leave it there. If you enjoyed this, you should check out the book because it's got depth. It's got layers. It's got life to it. I'll see you guys on the next podcast. Might have a guest coming up. I won't say anything about that. Thanks for listening. Episode 19, The Armin Show, out.